Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, this year is really moving along, isn't it? Glad to be with you again on our weekly podcast. I hope you're enjoying uh, uh, the, the various things I share right now. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I want to keep going that direction. We're living in a time of great adjustment, tremendous change worldwide, just before Jesus comes back. And, um, you know, to counteract the, all the negatives that uh, we will see in our future, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us to help us and to point us in the right direction. I am absolutely excited about our future in God, and I want to share those things with you. I want to talk about, continue my vein of of sharing here. I'm talking about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us today as believers, and let me read this verse again, John 16, 13. Jesus said, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. So I just love the fact that Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Again, I'm reminded uh, I'm reminded that, um, of, of just some things that I've heard over the years about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we never put the Holy Spirit above the Word. He is the Spirit of truth. You put the Word first, the Holy Spirit second, and feelings last if you want to have a successful life. Or somebody said another little thing. You've heard this before probably. Um, all, all spirits you blow up, all words you dry up, but with the Word and the Spirit you grow up. We're living in a time of extremes, and there are those that want to put the manifestations of the Spirit above the Word of God. Friends, it's unscriptural to do that, and you'll get into error in doing that. I pastor a local church. I want the moving of the Holy Spirit. But I know this, uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit has to be in line with the Word of God. And I've been in this long enough to see that when the Holy Spirit manifests, He'll often point you back to the Word. And uh, so I'm talking about 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us in these days just prior to Jesus coming. I'm actually on the fourth one. The first one is the Holy Spirit creates unity in the body of Christ. I shared that a few podcasts ago. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us a desire to be like Jesus. Shared that in the last podcast or so, a couple of podcasts ago. And then number three, the Holy Spirit produces in us a sense of righteousness or right standing with God. And I talked about that a couple of podcasts ago. And then last time, number four, the Holy Spirit seeks to keep us pure. And I, I, I didn't quite get through uh, with, a, with this uh, number four the last time we shared, so I want to go there again. Uh, the Holy Spirit seeks to keep us pure. That really refers to the doctrine in the Bible called sanctification. And, and that's the work, of, and the word to sanctify sanctify, sanctified, sanctification all come from the, and holy, uh, holy, holiness all come from the same Greek root word. 
And it literally means to set apart from one thing to something else, or really to consecrate. When you consecrate something, you, 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 you purpose it for an exclusive use. So see, God takes us out of the world by the blood of Jesus, by the new birth, and we are, we are sanctified, we're set apart to him. And so there are three phases to this, to this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit or his producing the holiness of Jesus in us. There's that, it's, there's that um, positional sanctification. You're initially brought out of the world. God draws us to himself through the blood of Jesus and we're born again. And then there's progressive or daily sanctification where we're changed from glory to glory. We don't remain as we are when we're first saved. We change. And then final sanctification is complete sanctification where our, literally our physical bodies change and, and we get a glorified body like Jesus had. And that's when the work of sanctification is complete in us and we are fit for heaven. So I want to come back to that progressive work of sanctification which we are changed from glory to glory listen i've been in jesus uh this i'm going into my 47th year 46 years in a few months you know i'm really not the same person i was when i came to jesus at age 18 in 1976 uh, i'm not really in every in every way a transformed person you know that's and that's what the holy spirit does he transforms how we live life, how we speak to others, what we think of ourselves, what we think about the Lord, how we relate to other people, our conversation, our word, the words we use, our mindset, our attitudes. I mean, he, he turns over every rock and looks behind every bush in your life, so to speak. And I tell you, he's an amazing person. He doesn't do it all at once. Isaiah 28, line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. See, that is, again, in the Old Testament, it's a, it's a forward look to what God does in our life. Today, in progressive or daily sanctification, we're changed from glory to glory. I mentioned that scripture last time. A little bit more I want to share about progressive or daily sanctification as we move on here. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, New Living Translation, um, the Apostle Peter said, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. So he's urging us as believers not to remain as we are, but to let that work of being set apart to God, let it, let it be worked out thoroughly in our lives. Uh, he also said this, and it's, you know I could go through the whole New Testament. There's so much about it. Just a few, a little bit more I want to share about this. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 1, so get rid of evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of unclean, unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. So again, he's talking there about really what's a, a daily progressive change. And that's that daily work of, of God setting us apart to himself. And again, the Bible calls that sanctification or holiness. It's also mentioned in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, 
not the things of earth. For you died in this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And, and so this is the work of daily progressive sanctification, setting apart, being made holy. Verse 5, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. See, that's addressing us and, and the desire God has for us to change. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Now, you know what? That hits right against the culture today. The trends of our culture is to be sexually immodest in dress, sexually impure, and be impure in thought and be impure with what you do with your body. But the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will lead us to do what the Bible says. Have nothing to do, the Apostle Paul said, verse 5, Colossians 3, with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now... But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you stripped off the old sinful nature with all, and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Now see, that's addressing being set apart, coming away from the life you used to live. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tent. Look at his, He's addressing this. He's talking about outward sins. Now He's talking about inward things. See, you see, God wants to set us apart outwardly and inwardly. So he says again here, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all together in perfect harmony. So let, let, me, let me say this as I conclude this particular part of sanctification that, you know, if, if you find yourself in areas of life uh, that are troublesome to you where the flesh rises up or, or you have a, a way of responding to people or, or there's a certain mental trait or an attitude that you just have a hard time getting rid of, whether it's flesh, inward things or outward fleshly things, do this. You go take that to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is a problem for me. For some reason, this is a weakness of my person. I want to yield to this, 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 or this. And tell him what it is. And say, God, I ask you to take the desire for that away from me. And send me through a process of changing me where I no longer desire to do that particular thing. Whatever it is, inward or outward. You know what you'll find out? God will answer your prayer because he loves you. And then once you do that, get in the word. Get in the Word of God. Find what the Bible says that, about that particular area. It might be self-centeredness. It may be pride. You know, it may be gossip. It may be um, self-pity. Or it may be an outward thing. It may be lust. You know, it, it may be uh, uh, lasciviousness, which is you just want to dress in a way that is provocative and attracts the opposite. Say, those kinds of things are sin, my friends. So whatever it is, ask God to help you, and you'll be amazed and how we, he will accommodate you. The, uh, so you've, we've got positional sanctification. We've got 
progressive or daily sanctification. Final sanctification is complete sanctification. And the Bible talks about that one of these days. Aren't you excited about this? You're going to get a brand new body. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be transformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to sub, even to subdue all things to himself. So just like Jesus was raised from the dead, we are going to be physically resurrected. The Bible te teaches the resurrection, excuse me, the resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 5 and Again, the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection, particularly of the righteous in his writings. Our physical bodies are, are going to undergo a change, and, um, and, and they're going to be resurrected from physical death. The reason that Christians, and we're not the only culture that has, but Christians by and large have respected the remains of the deceased because we believe in the, uh, particularly deceased believers, we, re, we believe in the resurrection of the human body. Jesus resurrected from death. His grave is empty. And one day, one day, if you die before Jesus comes back, your body will resurrect and the corporeal substance of your body will ch be changed to be like Jesus' body. It's a supernatural event. It seems mind-boggling. It seems impossible, but there's nothing po impossible with God. Your body's going to change. And why, why do we even need a resurrection body? Well, here's the issue. You know, God never ordained that we live as, 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 um, as spirits without bodies. A person that dies, let me say this, a person that, that dies in Christ Jesus goes immediately to heaven in their spirit form. Their physical body uh, remain, go, goes to the grave. I've, I've done many, 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 many uh, uh, funerals and and have, have, have stood by the gravesite and uh, pronounced the last prayer with the family right by the body of the person who is deceased, letting them know they're not there, but that one day that grave will not be undisturbed, that it will be disturbed by a loud trumpet sound when Jesus returns, and that body's coming out of that grave. That is exciting. So again, why, why the resurrection of the body? Well, you see, God originally created, created us. Think about it. Genesis 1, 2, 3. God originally created us to live in the human body in perpetuity for eternity. It's never the will of God that our spirit leaves our body. Death is as a result of sin. God didn't want us to sin. If Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, and if we had not inherited sin, uh, and if we had not sinned ourselves, we wouldn't die. The soul that sins will die. No, death is, a, death, death is an obstruction to the will of God. God ordained that we live in human bodies for eternity in pure, spotless, undefiled human bodies. Sin defiled our bodies. And so, and so now we have mortal bodies, but one day when Jesus returns, we're going to get an immortal body. And that is the work of final sanctification. Why? God created us to live in human bodies for eternity, and we're going to live in a human body for eternity. A resurrected um, uh, flesh and bone body, just like Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead, remember uh, that evening of, of, of the resurrection, 
uh, he appeared in a room. The doors and windows were fastened shut, John chapter 20 says, and, uh, and Jesus appeared in the room. Uh, just materialized right there, spoke to them, and just the way he materialized, he dematerialized and disappeared. He had an, a different kind of body. They didn't recognize him as he walked on the Emmaus road with them, but then they recognized that it was Jesus. He could eat. He ate fish with them on the seashore, and he broke bread with them, seeing that, showing that it was a body you know, not unlike, but yet a supernatural body that we're going to, not unlike the body he had, but at the same time, a revitalized supernatural body that's immortal. And see, that's final sanctification. Let me refer you back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Your, my flesh, your, mine, your human body, the way it is right now, can't go to heaven. That's what he's saying. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. And that's talking about the physical body changes that come with the resurrection when Jesus returns in the rapture of the church. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye or in the batting of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. That's when we get a glorified body like Jesus had. That's when, that's when the work of sanctification, final sanctification is complete. And he says, we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, the work of final sanctification is at the rapture of the church, those that are still alive when Jesus returns. And we may be the generation that sees the rapture of the church. And if that's the case, then, then the corporeal substance of your body will be changed uh, instantaneously. And that's what it said. We just quoted the verse in Philippians 3. When Jesus comes, we await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3, 20, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working whereby he's able to subdue all things to himself. So again, we'll be here in our mortal bodies. And when Jesus comes back, if you're alive, the, the substance of your body will change and that final sanctification will be complete in you. As I conclude, let me address one thing. I don't think I've said a lot about this, but I want to mention, since we're talking about death and resurrection, I, I want to mention, because people have questions about this, what about, um, what about cremation? Is, is it biblical to cremate, cremate the um, uh, remains of deceased loved ones? So it's become culturally uh, acceptable in America now, uh, and in fact, I just spoke to, we just recently had a couple of, uh, of uh, funerals in our church. A couple of people went to be with Jesus. And, um, and I was talking to one of the funeral persons um, during that time. And I just asked him, what percentage of people um, uh, are, uh, you know, who, who uh, remains are preserved versus those that are cremated? And, and, you know, it's probably over 50% that are now cremated and you know, then the remains are, are just ashes. So you say, well, well, Pastor, what do you think about that? Well, 
you know, uh, I just know the history of the Christian churches. I just know the history of the Christian churches to pre preserve the bodies and the remains of the deceased because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. I've been to India right by the Ganges River, and I've seen body. Uh, I've been. I've seen funeral pyres where they literally pile up uh, sticks all around a, a body of a deceased person, and and then they put lays of flowers all over it and all that. Then they set it on fire. Uh, they believe in reincarnation. They don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. But to see, the Bible teaches the resurrection. So, you know, the history of Christianity is that we preserve the remains of the deceased. Jo Joseph, when he died, may mention concerning his bones. He wanted his ancestors to take his bones out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. So again, why? Because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. So uh, historically and biblically, the Bible teaches the resurrection. Historically, the Christian church has, has respected the remains of the deceased by, by preserving that body and then encasing it in a tomb. Um, you say, well, pastor, is there a problem? Is it, is it sin for me to have, be cremated? I don't know that it's sin. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what I'm Are you going to do what you're going to do? I'm going to do A lot of people do it, and honestly, it's a financial thing. It takes, uh, you know, according to how much the grave site costs, it takes about $10,000 plus or minus to bury somebody, and that's not even including the grave site. So it's expensive. A lot of people don't have the money. People don't have insurance. I've, I've, as a pastor, had to deal with all kinds of scenarios as people deal with death, and uh, many people are not prepared. So, so I understand the financial uh, ramifications. Uh, if you embalm someone, uh, I'm sorry. If you uh, if you cremate someone, it you know it costs uh, much much less. So I understand why people do that. It's really convenient, and then family can always come immediately and of course cremation means I can have a delayed service I, I get all that and you know I I never say anything to anybody about that that's their own personal choice I'm just going to tell you for me if I if, if if I go to be with Jesus before the rapture of the church I want my remains to be entombed and uh, because I know that my body is going to be resurrected so the question can, can God resurrect uh, a cremated body I think God can do anything you know, I think he can. You know, what about people who die in terrible situations where they're burned, to, where they're burned, and you can can even find their remains hardly? I understand that. I get that. What about people who were lost, for instance, at sea, and their remains are never found? What about you? Got all these whatabouts? What about the people at 9/11? Well, again, again, again. I'm not I'm not religious about this thing. I just know that we're going to be resurrected from physical death one day. I'm really excited about that. you got to make your decisions as to what you do about these, these things we're dealing with in American culture right now. You see, American culture is being sanitized of all things Christian and all things God, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and you know, the, the um, respect for the remains of the deceased is distinctively a Christian thing. Now, I know the Egyptians did. I've studied Egyptology and all that, and other cultures also believed that if they preserve the bodies, the person's going to come back, yada, yada. But I'm just saying the Christian church is certainly true that we respect the remains of the dead because we believe in the resurrection. Again, in my subject today, that's final sanctification. We're finally all of God. So I'm really excited about Jesus and who he is and what he's doing. I really think we're going to be perhaps the generation that will see the rapture of the church come. I'm certainly looking for that. So let me wrap this particular subject up in this uh, 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. He, he deals with us. 
and he wants us to be pure. So uh, we'll start next time with, with number five on the fifth thing the Holy Spirit uh, does. But let me conclude this one with Jesus wants you to change, and Jesus wants me to change. He wants our lives to be different. He wants us to be transformed people so that our light will shine brightly and so we can share Jesus with passion with others. But if we're caught up in the pitfalls of our culture and if, we're, and if we, our lives, our daily lives and behaviors look, look, look very little different than the culture around us, friends, then we are not changing. We're, we're, to be, we're, ch- we're to change from glory to glory. I ought to be more like Jesus next year than I am right now. And that ought to be that case. So, Father, I just pray for us and let the Holy Spirit work deeply in us. And let this process of holiness, this process of sanctification, this process of, of prog- progress in Jesus, becoming like him. Lord, let it work in all of us in a very fresh way. And, uh, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit who woos us, who deals with us, and who urgently, tenderly urges us to make the changes so that we can be like Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for ministering life to us and then through us. In Jesus' name, I look forward to talking to you the next time. Until then, God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.